Howdy, folks. This is Will here. Hope you enjoyed last week's podcast. We dealt with Philemon, verses 1 through 9. And this week we're following up on that teaching series. And we'll be covering verses 10 through 25 of the book of Philemon. I'd like to start and begin here by just prayer and seeking the Lord's provision as we go through this wonderful epistle. Father, thank you for the Bible. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the book of Philemon. And Father, the example of forgiveness we find in it, the example of Paul and his leadership, and uh, Father, all the other many lessons that we can glean from this epistle. Now, Father, we come to complete the verse-by-verse exposition of Philemon, and we just seek your provision and your help. Father, open our hearts to receive what Philemon would have of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, folks, last week we dealt with different themes and we found application for our very lives in verses 1 through 9. So not only did we go through and look at what the text said, what the text taught, but we also found application that we can put into practice, things we could practically do to walk out, to live out the first nine verses of Philemon. Today is going to be no different. And as far as context is concerned, the first nine verses, what we found there was Paul is writing to a friend, someone converted under his ministry, Philemon. And he's not just writing Philemon out of the blue. There is a purpose, and that purpose is going to be expounded and expanded upon in this week's lesson, verses 10 through 25. And the plea Paul has for Philemon, what he's requesting of Philemon, is Onesimus' freedom. And so, Onesimus is Philemon's slave. And we talked about how that was a very common thing in the culture at that time. It was very common in Roman society for one to be a slave. In fact, a very large portion of their population were slaves. And so Onesimus is a slave, but he is not less in value. And Paul is concerned for his freedom and actually his service again to Paul. Onesimus is now a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is now a Christian. He has been converted too, just like Philemon, under the ministry of Paul. Onesimus, in the providence of God, runs away from Philemon, and he runs into Paul, the great apostle Paul. And Paul preaches the gospel to him, and he becomes a Christian. And so we're going to find a very poetic way of talking about Onesimus' conversion here in today's section. I, I won't spoil that. I'm going to let you, I'm going to leave that there and, and let you just listen along with intent ears as we race towards that poetic statement. But in any case, Paul is pleading for something Onesimus' freedom. Onesimus' freedom is a slave that he be set free 
and that he'd be sent back to Paul. Because Onesimus was also useful to Paul in service to the Lord. Without further ado, let's dive in. Let's read the text. Verses 10 through 25 of Philemon. I plead with you for my child Onesimus, of whom I became a father in chains, who formerly was useless to you, but is useful both to you and to me. I have sent him back to you in person, that is, my very heart, whom I intended to keep with me, so that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I did not want to do anything so that your goodness would not be in effect by compulsion, but voluntary. For perhaps he was for this reason separated from you for a while, that you would have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If then you regard me a partner, accept him as you would accept me. But if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it, not to mention to you that you owe to me even your own self as well. Yes, brother, let me benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, since I know that you will do even more than what I say. And at the same time, also prepare me a lodging. For I hope that through your prayers, I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow workers. Grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. All right, folks. So that was our text. As you listened along, did you hear Paul's heart? Did you hear a bit of irony there? Poetic irony. I hope you did. Did you find Paul playing his I converted you card to find him? Yes, you did. These are some of the many things we'll touch on as we go through this passage. With no further ado, let's, let's get into the content. So starting in verse 10, remember, this is the section through verse 21 of the content of the plea for Onesimus freedom. This is Philemon's slave Onesimus. So verse 10, I plead with you for my child, Onesimus. So in what sense is Onesimus Paul's child? Well, Paul is pleading with Philemon for Onesimus' freedom because Onesimus has been begotten in the faith, in some sense, by Paul. In other words, Paul has preached the gospel to Onesimus, and Onesimus has believed in Christ, has trusted Christ, has been redeemed, is now a Christian. And so, Paul is pleading for Onesimus' freedom in this section, but he starts this section out with 
Onesimus being called his child. So he's his child in the faith. Continuing on, of whom I became a father in my chains. So he elaborates. Paul tells you what he means. This way you can see this is not something conjectured by will. No, this is Paul's very words to us, to Philemon first, but then to us. So I plead with you for my child, Onesimus, of whom I became a father in my chains. So Paul, as we touched upon last week, was imprisoned, and we're not sure where. It's not precisely identified. However, the Lord knows, and it does not necessarily matter. What matters is Paul was imprisoned for the sake of the gospel somewhere. And while imprisoned, Paul is not just sitting and sobbing. No, Paul is preaching the gospel. Paul is teaching the word of God. And so Paul has done this work of begetting Onesimus in the faith, at least in some sense. He's preached the gospel to him. Onesimus has believed. He is now a brother in Christ. He is now Paul's child in the faith, who formerly was useless to you, but now is useful both to you and to me. Well, friends, this is a wonderful, wonderful verse. I want you to know something. There's a word play going on here. Who formerly was useless, and some translations give it unprofitable, and then, but now is useful both to you and to me. Well, useful, again, in some translations, is profitable. So unprofitable and profitable. That's because there's a play on words in the Greek. Onesimus' name means profitable. He was unprofitable, and now he's profitable. Well, that's very poetic, you might say. And I would have to agree. Now, continuing on, I have sent him back to you in person. Paul, although Onesimus is now profitable to Paul, and, of course, profitable to his master now in a more thorough sense, he's sending him back. Paul is now sending Onesimus back to Philemon. And this is hard for Paul. That is my very heart. Paul's heart's desire is to keep Onesimus with himself. But nevertheless, as we're going to see in the text, Paul wants the obedience of Philemon to free Onesimus and send him back to Paul to be not under compulsion, that is not commanded, not obligatory, not having Philemon obligated to do this only, but that Philemon would do this out of the goodness of Philemon's redeemed, regenerate heart, whom I intended to keep with me. See, Paul wanted to keep Onesimus with himself. Then, he says, so that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. In other words, working as a representative of Philemon, Onesimus would minister to Paul, while Paul 
is in chains for the gospel. In other words, Paul is imprisoned for his faith by the will of Christ Jesus doing this work, but Paul needs people to minister to him as well. And Onesimus is profitable in his ability to help Paul in his chains for the gospel's sake. And that's Paul's intention, but without your consent, I did not want to do anything. So, Paul would not act without giving opportunity for Philemon to do the right thing. Paul wanted Philemon to do this in a voluntary spirit, in a voluntary sense. He continues, and he further explains, so that your goodness would not be in effect by compulsion, but voluntary. Well, now we've already gone over this, so we will continue to the next sentence. For perhaps, just maybe, he was, for this reason, separated from you for a while. In other words, Paul is saying Onesimus was separated from you for a little while so that something would occur. In other words, there's providence underlying this, undergirding this. God's providence, God's providing ahead of time, God's orchestrating things, oftentimes out of our sight, that then culminate within our sight. So, for instance, Joseph is one of the ultimate examples of providence in the Bible. And if you remember in about Genesis chapters roughly 37 to 50, you read his story. And in chapter 50, he kind of sums up, you meant these things for evil, talking to his brothers, Joseph, talking to his brothers who, if you recall, sold him into slavery. And then all these other things happen in the meantime. We don't have time to get into it at the moment. But the result is God sets Joseph up second in command over Egypt. So he's the second most powerful guy basically in the world by God's providence. But there were a string, a, a line of difficulties that preceded his exaltation, his being placed into that prime position. So he says, you meant this for evil to his brothers, but God meant this or intended this for good, that he may save many people alive. Remember, in Joseph's story, there was a famine, and Joseph was capable through the Lord's provision, through the Lord showing him, through the Lord gifting to him the ability to interpret Pharaoh's dream and then prepare the land by storing up multitudes of grain so that there were vast vast stores of grain. And there were seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. And during the seven years of plenty, through Joseph's stewardship, food was set aside to these vast quantities and almost innumerable quantities of grain. So that during the seven years of severe famine, more people would be kept alive, including Joseph's own family, and it's also the mechanism by which Joseph's family comes to Egypt, where they will then multiply. We have to move on. We're short on time here, but 
I want you to see God's providence is underneath of this text. So, let's continue. For perhaps this reason, separated from you for a while, he was separated from you for a while, that you would have him back forever. Wow, that's poetic. In other words, Philemon had Onesimus as a slave temporally in time for a measure of time. Okay? But eternally now, Onesimus is in relationship with Philemon because they're both in Christ Jesus. They're both Christians. And so there is eternity to fellowship with one another. And so Onesimus, in the providence of God, goes, runs from Philemon, finds Paul, Paul converts him, and then sends him back with this letter to Philemon that you have in your Bible. And Onesimus is now much more than he was. He is endeared exponentially now to Philemon. He's a brother. He's a Christian. Now they're going to enjoy an eternal relationship, an eternal kinship. And so, this is why he says, perhaps he was for this reason separated for you for a while, from you for a while, that you would have him back forever. And then he further elaborates, no longer as a slave, no longer as a slave, let that sink in, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me. Paul is saying that Onesimus is endeared to me, and that's what he's already said. He said when he sent him back, that is my very heart, whom I intended to keep with me. So he says, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. In other words, there was already a relationship between Onesimus and Philemon, yet now even more. And so there's a relationship by the flesh, the human side of relationships, but also something that transcends that in the Lord. So there's a special kinship and fellowship that occurs when believers are together. There's a commonality in the gospel, and that's because the believer is indwelt with the Holy Spirit of God. And so, the same spirit that indwells Philemon now indwells Onesimus. And that same spirit's the same spirit that indwells Paul, you see? And so this is a beautiful thing, but now there's a a special level of kinship. So the first point of application, what does this all entail? What are we looking at here? What's implied must happen if Philemon is to accept Onesimus back in at Paul's plea without holding anything against him? Well, I hope you see that. I hope that before I even mention it, that you see this. Freely grant him forgiveness. And so I'm going to give this to you as today's first point of application. Are you holding anything against anyone? Are you holding a grudge? 
Are you holding back within your heart forgiveness? What does Philemon verses 10 through 25 teach us? What's the first point of application I'm going to give to you today that you can practically put into action and obey God's word with? Well, freely grant forgiveness. We are, as Christians, the benefactors of God's grace. That means God has provided for us, freely given to us, something that we could not do for ourselves. That is forgiveness of sins and redemption in his name by his blood. Jesus Christ died an atoning death for us. See, we as sinners had a debt we couldn't pay. Christ stepped in to time. This eternal being, God himself, stepped into time, became a man, died on the cross according to the scripture for our sins, was buried and rose again on the third day. Again, as the scripture foretold that he would, by his death, burial, and resurrection, he provided something that we cannot provide for ourselves. Forgiveness of sin. Now, what is our duty in light of having been forgiven if you are a Christian and you have experienced God's forgiveness through Jesus Christ? Well, we're called upon emphatically to forgive. Forgive as Christ has forgiven you, right? God has forgiven you for Christ's sake. Therefore, you forgive for Christ's sake. That's our first point of application today. What else? I'm going to give you a second in rapid-fire succession here. And we've already touched upon it. We talked about something called the providence of God. Hopefully I just reminded you about Joseph's situation and story. Joseph went through all these things, things that were hard, difficult, horrible, bad, whatever adjective you want to use to describe it, they were used by God to bring about good. Remember? What Joseph's brothers meant for evil, God intended for good. Same with our story today. Same with the historical account of Paul sending Philemon an epistle that you hold in your laps if you have a Bible in your lap. This is a real letter, and God's providence is just as real as the letter that sits in your lap or in your hand. God's providence is at play here in the epistle to Philemon, and particularly in our passage, verses 10 through 25. And we've already gone over it, but look with me at that for perhaps he was for this reason separated from you a while, that you would have him back forever no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you both in the flesh and in the Lord? God's providence undergirds this long sentence. And God's providence is brought into focus by Paul in this epistle so that Philemon would take note of it. Paul is communicating very clearly God's providence. So what should we do? Well, we should do the same thing that Philemon does. Take note of God's providence 
here in the text. And we should then freely grant forgiveness in light of God's providence that allowed the difficult circumstance to occur. Let's continue. Now, Paul is actually going to intercede here and going to offer some things on Onesimus' behalf. And this is just a wonderful, beautiful illustration of Paul's heart and of real, true Christian love. Let's continue. If then you regard me a partner, accept him as you would accept me. In other words, you do regard me as a partner, but if you regard me as a partner, accept Onesimus, Paul speaking to Philemon, as you would accept me, Paul. But if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. Wow. Let's continue and then we're going to comment. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. Not to mention that you owe me even your own self as well. So Paul is saying, I'm your partner in the gospel. Accept Onesimus as if you were accepting me. And if he has done anything to harm you at all, if he has incurred a debt through thievery, if he has done anything that has cost you, charge that to my account. And Paul, I, Paul, I'm writing this with my own hand. It, look, look, Philemon, it's my handwriting. I'm writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. Wow, that's beautiful. You know, because... Christ has paid our debt. We experience acceptance with God the Father. Paul, I would submit to you, my friends, is imitating his Father in heaven. He is patterning his conduct here after the Lord Jesus Christ. He is doing something that's in perfect accord with what Christ has done for us. His life his communication with Philemon is reflecting the very gospel that he preached to Onesimus that converted Onesimus. Let's continue. If you see in your Bibles, you may have a parenthesis there in front of not and behind well. It says, not to mention that you owe to me, even your own self as well. Paul is reminding Philemon rather humorously that Philemon owes to him his conversion. Philemon was converted by Paul. And if Paul hadn't preached to Philemon, then Philemon would not have been converted under the ministry of Paul and wouldn't have been converted. But in God's providence, he was converted under the preaching of Paul. And so he's, he's kind of, Paul is, is twisting his arm a little bit. And it, it's, it's funny to see these types of things uh, occurrences of humor in the Bible, but let's continue. Yes, brother, let me benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. So he's pleading with him for love's sake, as he said that he would do for Philemon to benefit him in Christ by freeing Onesimus and sending Onesimus back. That provides benefit. Remember, he's profitable to Paul. He's now profitable to Philemon. Refresh my heart in Christ. So this act of Christian love that Paul is confident Philemon's going to follow through with, we're about to see that, would refresh Paul's heart in Christ. 
Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, since I know that you will do even more than what I say. Paul is indeed affirming what I just pointed out. Paul is saying, I believe that you're going to do this. I believe that you're going to go above and beyond in your obedience to my request. You're going to do even more than what I say. And so he has great confidence in Philemon and in Philemon's obedience. And at the same time, also prepare me a lodging. This, this starts off our next subsection, verses 22 to 25, I believe. And at the same time, also prepare me a lodging. Prepare me a place... So Paul, in these concluding remarks, is saying, prepare me a place. Why? Well, he's going to tell us. For I hope that through your prayers, I will be graciously given to you. In other words, Paul is saying, I hope by your prayers to be able to come to you in person, to be freed from my imprisonment, and to dwell with you, Philemon. Also, prepare me a lodging. Prepare me a place to stay. So, what is one of the means that God is going to use to free Paul from his imprisonment? Well, the answer is prayer. And you see it there in the text, don't you? Through your prayers. This brings us to our final point of application for today. And that is, remember the power of prayer. Now, this is not any prayer to any deity. This is not just prayer intrinsically. It's not within prayer by itself. It's prayer to God the Father in the name of the Son. And did you know that even the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf when we don't know how to pray? So you've got to get who you're praying to right. This isn't prayer to saints that have been venerated by the church. Okay. This is not prayer to ancestors. This is not prayer to other human beings that have passed or what have you. This isn't prayer to an idol. You know, the heathens of old prayed to idols, prayed to other gods. This isn't praying to anyone else except for the God, Yahweh, that we worship. Yahweh is his covenant name. Yahweh is what God tells Moses at the burning bush when Moses asks him about his name. Who will I say that has sent me? Moses asks. And God says, tell him I am sent you, or I am that I am, which is what Yahweh means. We're praying to Yahweh. We're praying to God. We have that opportunity. We have that right because Christ has died for us. Christ has provided a way that we now have communication and access to the Father. Remember John 14, 6? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In other words, the access to the Father, the way to the Father, is only through Jesus Christ. He is the sole way to the Father, and the sole way to heaven. There is no other name under heaven by which men may be saved or must be saved. That is Jesus Christ. In other words, 
Christ is the only way. Now, you can watch any number of talk shows, you can watch any number of programs, and listen to any number of podcasts or radio shows or what have you, any media that you can imagine, read books. And the majority of them will take issue, if they touch on this topic, with what I just said. But the Bible presents the only way to Christ, the only way to eternal life, absolutely the only way, is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, period. So, let's continue. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus. So, Epaphras is also imprisoned, or Epaphras is also seen as a prisoner or a slave of Christ Jesus. Either way you take it, it would be accurate. He greets you. Epaphras is sending greetings, and then there are also some other brothers listed that are under the category of fellow workers, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. And so these are associates in the ministry. These are partners in the ministry. These are fellow workers in the ministry. Now, Epaphras is given a special title, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, but I believe that he was probably physically imprisoned also, and then Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke at this time are not imprisoned. However, you can read about them in the other epistles. You can read about them in Paul's other letter. For instance, Demas is mentioned in kind of a negative light at the end of Paul's ministry in 2 Timothy chapter 4, I believe it is. Luke is, or was, Paul's traveling companion for part of his ministry. You can check out, if you'd like, Colossians, the end of the book of Colossians, which has been by commentators connected to this book, Philemon. And they're probably written from the same place. Paul is probably imprisoned at the same place, writing from that same location, maybe Ephesus, maybe Rome. In any case, some of these folks are mentioned there. And so you can follow that up in your own time. We must conclude our session. But the final sentence here says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Now, we've already touched upon grace, but grace means you're receiving something that you cannot merit. In other words, you do not deserve what's provided you by God. And God provides in his grace you if you have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ for the safekeeping of, our, of your soul, for the redemption of your soul. God's grace provided that. You could not merit it. You couldn't be good enough to merit it, to earn it. We don't just need grace, though. For our redemption, we need grace for our very lives. Our day-to-day, in-and-out, rising and going to bed, and all that's in between. We need grace to live lives that honor our Father in heaven. So, he's telling Philemon, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And you know, I believe very strongly that it was. And in fact, the tradition in church history teaches us, or tells us, if it's true, that Onesimus 
actually rose to a position in the church. And I believe it was Bishop, if I recall correctly. Onesimus is indeed profitable to the ministry and was indeed freed by Philemon, if that account is true. And I do believe from the epistle itself, from the internal evidence of the epistle, that Philemon obeyed. However, in concluding this, we've been through our text verse by verse. I just want to remind you very quickly what our points of application were, and then we'll conclude in prayer. One, freely grant forgiveness. Two, meditate on the providence of God. And I actually encourage you to connect the two as we did in our teaching today. And then three, remember the power of prayer. And we qualified it. Remember the power of prayer when it's offered (laughs) to the God that we worship, the one true God, Yahweh, through the power of the Spirit and in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But before I finally wrap up, again, if you have not trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, I beckon you, I ask you, I plead with you, much like Philemon was pleaded with by Paul. Trust in him today. Repent. Turn to the Lord Jesus Christ in faith. Turn away from the idols that you've set up. Maybe you've set up your own proficiency or your own aptitude to be good as an idol in your own heart. Maybe, maybe just maybe, you're trusting in something other than the Lord Jesus Christ to get you to heaven. I ask you, I plead with you, Look what Christ has done and trust his perfect work. His death, his burial, his resurrection for our sins as the scripture foretold that he would perform. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your provision. Thank you for this wonderful little epistle to Philemon. And thank you, Father, for the lessons that we have gleaned, Father, from this passage. And we pray that you would help us through the power of your spirit to apply them to our lives, that we may live lives that are more pleasing to you. In Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake, amen.